Amen. Find uh, Genesis 35 in your copy of the Scripture. And I want to ask you to remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Uh, As many of our seniors will tell you, on Wednesday nights, we are going passage by passage through the book of Genesis. And we are not quite yet to where we're going to be this morning. But... uh, You know, I'm fascinated by the lives of people like Abraham, and then after Abraham, uh, especially Jacob and Joseph. Such fascinating narratives to read about. And one thing we need to understand when uh, we read this passage this morning about Jacob, He was already a middle-aged man when God started working in his life and then sent him away to find a wife. And then all the years that transpired before he came back, uh, during this time he became a senior adult man. In fact, if you read some of the chronology of his life, he's much older than you would realize even when he got married to uh, Leah and Rachel. Uh, What a testimony, though, as we're going to see uh, this morning. So let's read together, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 35, talking about the subject today, finishing well. God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, or Bethel, and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and all who are with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Notice the repentance and the preparation that they were to make in their hearts before they could meet with God. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress And has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. And as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. And Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. And there he built an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. And Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died and she was buried under an oak below Bethel. So he called its name Alan Bakuth. God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Father, open our understanding to these verses. Lord, we thank you for what we learn from these characters in the Bible. And Lord, we, we see on every page 
what feet of clay that they had. They were indeed cracked vessels. And yet, you worked in the lives of these broken vessels. And you brought glory to your name and your purposes moved forward. And what an encouragement that gives to our lives today. Lord, do the same in and through us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, some of the most famous words in the Bible about finishing well would have to be the testimony of the Apostle Paul. In 2 Timothy 4, when he's passing the baton along to Timothy and he says, Timothy, preach the word, be faithful in season and out of season, Fulfill your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist. He goes on to say, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. And he goes on to say those famous words, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished my course. And even more impressive than that is the words of the Lord Jesus himself in John chapter 17. He said, Father, the work... That you gave me to do, I have done. You know, this week I was curious about something. How are we doing in modern times living in such a way that we can make statements like that? So I googled senior adult regrets. It was interesting, the list that I found from multiple websites. And and folks, the biggest application of these might not be to seniors today. The biggest application might be to younger folks who still have more time to make course corrections. But listen to some of them. I'll give you eight of them quickly. It seems like the number one regret people have as they grow older is that they spent too much time worrying about everything. They wish now that they could go back and change that. Others said that they wish they had reconciled with family and friends that they were not right with. They lived too many years in bitterness and separation. Still others said, I wish I had not allowed myself to lose touch with my adult children and grandchildren and allowed distance in our relationship to continue for too long. Still others said, I did not prepare financially for my retirement years. I wish I could go back. And change the way I did my finances. Still others. I emphasize the wrong things. Such as spending too much time on my phone. My electronic devices. Or on the computer. I wish I had put down my phone. Left social media alone. And actually invested in the real people that were right in front of my nose. Next. 
I wish I'd put my attention on people instead of the material things that I could accumulate. Seventh, I wish I had had the courage to have slowed down in life. I got too caught up in the rat race of advancing my career and I lived at too fast of a pace. And I missed so many special moments in my life. And then lastly, I wish I would have taken better care of myself physically so I could now enjoy my senior years more. Pretty powerful list, isn't it? Folks, all of those are wonderful things to keep in mind and to do something about while we still can. This morning I want us to look at a man who needed to make some changes. He had gotten busy in his life. He had neglected the most important things. And folks, let's admit it, it happens to all of us. Finally, he experienced a crisis. And when he experienced this crisis, he found that he wasn't prepared to deal with it. But God used the crisis to get his attention again. Graciously, God reached down and God intervened in his life. God told him what needed to change. And when Jacob did what God commanded, he discovered life-altering renewal and joy in his life. I'm sure he wished he would have listened to God sooner. And so today, let's look at his story. It's a story that holds great promise for us today. We see that when we open up our lives to the changes God wants to make in us, the end result may turn out to be even greater and bigger than anything we could have imagined. So first of all, with me this morning, I want you to notice, we need to go back to our spiritual roots. Look at what God told him in verse 1. God said to Jacob, arise and go up to Bethel and dwell there and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. Now folks, I want you to keep those words in mind in verse 1. Huge implications for us as we go throughout the message. I think we need to do a little bit of review. Again, as I said before, I'm fascinated by the life of Jacob and then his son Joseph after him. Some of the most interesting narratives in the Bible to read about. Now, you may remember that Jacob was the second born son of Isaac and Rebekah. Now back then you remember what the custom was for dads to do. They would, they would give blessings to their sons and they would give the best blessing for the older son. The older son with that blessing would get the birthright which was a double portion of the inheritance. Well as we looked at this past Wednesday night and the time before you remember what happened. Jacob and Rebekah, his mother, tricked Isaac and Esau. Well, first of all, he, he, Esau sold the blessing for a pot of stew. And then they tricked Isaac so that he would give the blessing not to the older brother, but to the younger. 
And as we saw this past Wednesday night, when Esau came in with his game, his wild game, prepared it for his dad to eat so that he would get the blessing. Isaac said, who is that that I just gave the blessing to? Because his eyesight was failing. And and when he found out what had happened, he is absolutely enraged. Now, he didn't care about the blessing when when he sold his birthright for a single meal. You know, it didn't seem to matter too much to him then. But later on, when it was time to actually get the blessing, it mattered to him. Well, Jacob got the blessing, and then Esau gave a death threat. As soon as my father dies, I'm going to kill my brother. And so knowing Esau's plan, Rebekah, Jacob's mother, comes up with a plan of her own. She tells Isaac to send Jacob away to her family in Haran to get a wife so that Jacob will not find a wife from among the Canaanites. So Isaac sends Jacob away. The plan works. Jacob is safe from Esau. Well, when we come to chapter 35, it's now 30 years later in the life of Jacob. Now, folks, think about that. 30 years. Seems like a long time. There's a lot of water under the bridge. Some of you may feel like like that today. You look back on your life. There's a lot of water under the bridge. Connie and I were talking this past week some of the events at UNCC and she was remembering back to the days when she was there from 81 to 85. She said, you know what? That almost seems like another lifetime ago. A lot of water under the bridge. It was that way for Jacob. And God says to Jacob, arise, get up and go to Bethel And dwell there. Jacob desperately needed this course correction in his life. Jacob is to return to the place of his earlier vows. Remember what had happened at Bethel years earlier? Back when Jacob was fleeing from Esau, he journeyed to a place, Padan Aram. And during Jacob's journey to Padan Aram, he felt so alone. He had just left home. Esau is wanting to kill him. He's venturing out to a whole new setting. Even though he's going to see family, he's going to know no one. He's going to be surrounded by strangers. And so understandably, he's afraid. There's a lot of uncertainty in his life. And God appears to him in a dream. And in that dream, he sees a ladder. With angels going up and down on it from heaven to earth. God talks with Jacob, passes along the covenant promises that he had made to Abraham and Isaac to Jacob. It's an awesome experience. And look up on the screen at the verse in Genesis 28. God says uh, to Jacob... 
Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. And so Jacob has an awesome experience there. And look at how he responds. Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Well, the Bible tells us, then Jacob rose early in the morning, took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it, and he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread deed and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house and And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. I think this was Jacob's salvation experience. You know, oftentimes it takes a crisis for God to get our attention, doesn't it? It takes a crisis. As we look at what's going on with Jacob, those are some tremendous promises or vows that he's making. And so now, 30 years later, what's God telling him to do? To get back to that place where he had made those vows. You see, right after that experience with Beth, at, at Bethel... He didn't exactly set the woods on fire with the godly life, did he? That's what you would have expected, but that's not what happened. What happened with Jacob is what happens with us. He got busy with life. He worked for Laban for seven years so he could marry Laban's daughter, Rachel. But Laban tricked the trickster. It was the wedding night and the brides would be veiled and of course they didn't have electricity and the tents and, and, and uh, it's the wedding night and, and he goes in after the wedding and, and uh, it's their first night of their honeymoon and he wakes up the next morning and oh it's not Rachel, it's Leah. Pretty angry about it. Laban tells him it's not our custom to marry off the younger before the older. Work for me another seven years for Rachel. And so that's what he does. And you read those narratives, what's going on, and it doesn't really appear that much spiritually is happening in Jacob's life. Does that describe you? What about those commitments? Seniors, what about those commitments you made years and years ago to the Lord? Have you followed through on those? Are you like Jacob? Jacob just seems to be sort of going through the motions of life and surviving. Let me include the younger people in this too. 
This is so much like us. We get busy with life. Life is busy and life is messy at times, isn't it? There's not enough hours in the day. And we know that the preacher is right in what he's saying. We know he's right. And it happens to the preacher too, though. We know our lives get too cluttered with stuff, with busyness, with events. And we know we're not in God's Word and in prayer like we should be. There's the son's ball game, the daughter's honors program at school, the grandson's game. We don't want to miss any of that. The boss is demanding quotas to be met. The the wife is saying, honey, you've got to get my car down to the shop. Something's wrong with it. And I'm about to be stranded out on the road. All this stuff, the stuff of life. And then the preacher tells me on Sunday, I need to spend more time at the feet of Jesus. I know he's right. But how? Seniors go somewhere like up at Careway or youth go somewhere like Snowbird and and we pull away from all this stuff of life and we're in services with one another. We're, uh, We're fellowshipping with fellow believers. We're in times of prayer. We're in times of Bible study several times every day for several days in a row. And we get on a mountain top experience. Why? Because we've pulled away from all the busyness of life and we've taken time to get alone with God and we come back fired up and we're like, wow. But then we come back and there's all this stuff again. That's Jacob. And it's you and me too. At times you can look at Jacob and wonder if God was even a part of his life. You ever feel that way? God, are you even there? Are you even a part of my life anymore? But folks, God doesn't forget those commitments we make to him. God remembers and he's very much at work even when we don't see it. Laban's sons become jealous of Jacob. They don't, they don't much like their brother-in-law. He has the Midas touch. Remember that Greek mythology story? Everything Midas touched turned to gold. Of course, that kind of bit him in the long run. But Jacob's got the Midas touch. And his brother-in-laws don't like it. They're jealous. You can see what all God's doing in this. Jacob may have let, let go a little bit of God, but God has not let go of him. When the jealousy becomes too much and he sees even Laban's attitude change towards him, he makes the decision to go back home. God wants him to get back to Bethel. But folks, it's not about geography, mere geography. It's about his spiritual life. God is wanting to get Jacob back to where Jacob remembers God had worked in his life in a powerful way and spoken to him. Jacob's been wasting his life away. 
Seniors, what about some of the detours maybe that you've been on? You know, we're satisfied with too little, aren't we? While we're laying up treasure on earth, God wants us investing in eternity. We're busy. It's not foolish stuff we're about. It's good stuff we're about. But it's taking our devotion away from the Lord. How about your life? God hasn't forgotten those commitments that you made. God remembers those vows you made to Him. You may have gone away some, but He hasn't. Is God calling you back to your Bethel? Secondly, I want you to see, we need to be broken and yielded. Turn back with me to chapter 32. Chapter 32, beginning in verse 22. We need to be broken and yielded. It says in verse 22, That same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children. And he crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And he, and he took and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob. He touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I'll not let you go unless you bless me. There was only one problem at this point, Jacob getting back home. He was afraid. He had some skeletons in the closet from the past with his brother. Those character deficiencies were still in Jacob's life. He was a saved man, but he wasn't exactly a useful man. And so God had to work on those character elements. So what's God do? God uses that fear inside of Jacob. Here's Jacob. He's planning and scheming again. He's dividing up all of his family members, all of his property, all of his servants, all of his livestock into different divisions. He's thinking, when, when Esau sees that I'm coming, he's going to come out and kill me. And, and by putting Rachel in the back and her children and some livestock, we'll have a chance to get away and maybe be safe. And sure enough, he learns that Esau's coming out to meet with him. And Esau's got 400 men with them so what's Jacob thinking it's reckoning day for what I did to him he's coming to kill me God used this fear in Jacob. Jacob got along with God and Jacob wrestled with God. Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord all night. And because he wrestled with the angel of the Lord all night, he was never the same again. But even though he had that limp, he was a stronger man because he was changed on the inside. He was a surrendered man. He became broken before God. You see, that time with God this night changed his life. We, we read a quick verse... We read a short little devotion. We say a quick prayer. 
And we think that's good enough. And yes, God will speak through that. I, I believe God will speak through that little. But how much do we really get on our face before God and in His Word for an extended amount of time? What might God do if we got along with God, poured out our hearts to Him for hours, and wrestled with God? It's the very thing that we believe we don't have time for, but it is the very thing that we need the most. Because that's the very thing that will change you and me forever. But that's not all. Look at what Jacob goes on to discover. Thirdly, we need to follow through on our spiritual lives. Look at chapter 33. Pick up reading with me in verse 18 of chapter 33. Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, on his way from Padan Aram, and he camped before the city. And from the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, he bought for a hundred pieces of money the piece of land in which he had pitched his tent. There he erected an altar and called it El uh, Elohi. Israel. Once again, no real progress happens with Jacob spiritually. Not immediately. It's frustrating to read about Jacob. You know, it's kind of like looking in a mirror, isn't it? Taking three steps forward, two steps backwards, four steps forward, five steps backwards. We read this story in the Bible, we shake our heads and we think, when's he going to get it? And then we have to remember, he's just like us, or we're just like him, I should say. Instead of, I want you to see what's happening. Instead of going all the way back to Bethel the way God told him to, he gets to Shechem and he stops. He starts living there. He's just met the challenge with Esau. Turned out to be no battle. He experiences grace. You know, some of those battles we fear, some of the people we face, we, we might say, son or dad or mom, I, I'm, I'm sorry what happened years ago. And what do we oftentimes discover? Hopefully grace, pure grace. And that's what we need to be ready to give to, pure grace. That's what he's experienced from Esau. So now he's on his way to Bethel. Bethel, here we come. We're home free, but not so fast. Jacob gets close to Bethel and stops. I think we need to rename him Sputter. He sputter. He sputters. He stalls. He gets close. That's all, just close. He moves to a pagan town named Shechem. Why he settles down in Shechem is anybody's guess. It's kind of like a couple in the church, you know. They feel like God's calling them to the mission field as a family. The kind of missions where you move somewhere else, you move to a, a different part of the country, a different part of the continent, a different part of the world. God's calling them to that. Yet they say, you know what, the church is offering a mission trip to New York City or... Canada or even to Africa. Let's, let's just do that. That'll be good enough. 
or a man in the church, he knows God's calling him to the ministry. He knows that. Goes to his pastor, says, put me in a Sunday school class. I'll, I'll, I'll teach Sunday school. That'll be good enough. That's close. That's close to what God's wanting me to do. That's what I see in Jacob. Tragedy strikes Jacob's household to give him another wake-up call. Chapter 34, Jacob's daughter Dinah ends up getting raped by the town prince. The town prince is a rich boy, thinks he's above the law. But folks, remember, Jacob should have never been in Shechem to begin with. He's where he shouldn't have been. As far as staying... And in that place, his daughter gets raped. Did God do that? No, God's not the author of sin. But folks, talk about drama going on. This would make a great movie, wouldn't it? After the prince rapes her, he wants to marry her. The plot thickens. Jacob and his sons agree. wonder how she felt about that. But they come up with condition to the marriage. If if you're going to marry our sister, you and your dad and all the men of the town have to be circumcised. Because we can't intermingle with people who are uncircumcised. They go back to the leaders of their town. They say, guys, this is a good deal overall. I mean, think about it. Because we intermarry with them, they with us. We're going to share all these goods together. I mean, we're going we're gonna to end up better off. So the men agree. They all get circumcised. Jacob's sons are scheming. When all the men can't hardly function, two of Jacob's sons go in there, I guess, house by house. My guess is kind of quietly. Stealth. And they end up house by house slaughtering all the men of the city. Jacob says, what have you done? Do you not understand now we're going to be a reproach and people are going to come after us? He's scared. Are you in any messes because you're where you're not supposed to be? You ever wonder how you got in some of the places in life you got? You ever wonder about that? You need a fresh start. Jacob needed a fresh start. His whole family needed reclaiming uh, for God. Seniors, I want you to remember that this is an older man now. And an older man, he needed a fresh start. He needed reclaiming for God. His family needed reclaiming for, for God. And Jacob was to be the catalyst in all this. And so God had eight words for him. Back to those words in verse 1 of chapter 35. Arise and go up to Bethel and dwell there. Jacob, finish what I started in you. Get back there and live. Get back there and dwell. I think you probably have a place like Bethel. Maybe it was where you were saved. Maybe it was a revival where God did a wonderful work in in your life. 
figuratively speaking, is God calling you back to your Bethel? Have you kept all those promises you made to God? I want you to notice, beginning in verse 2, there there was preparation that had to be made. They had to get rid of false gods. His family had, had, had accumulated some false gods. Imagine that. They had to prepare their hearts to meet again with the living God. But they obey and Jacob obeys. And, and look at what happens. He has a new experience with God. God shows up in his life again in a fresh way. And does awesome things. Jacob isn't simply to live in the past. God did this back there in my life. God was wanting to do a new work in Jacob's life. Again, he's an older man. A new work, a new challenge. When he got back to where God wanted him. Seniors, we are to have a present type of faith don't just remember the good old days boy I wish some of those good old days would come back to don't you love Andy Griffith shows like that good old days and we remember in those good old days church life and how God spoke to us and all that and we think of all those memories back then and Some of the mission trips we were on back then. Some of the things we did. Well, guess what? If you're breathing, God's not done with you yet. New challenges. Fresh challenges. A fresh encounter with the living God. That's what Jacob had again. So seniors, don't just love the memories. Those memories are special. That's important. I'm not discounting those memories. But don't stop there. You know what it makes me think of in the New Testament? Makes me think of God's words, the risen Christ words to the church at Ephesus. He said, you don't love me anymore like you used to. Go back. Remember from where you have fallen. And come back to your first love again. Makes me think also about the prodigal son. He got in that foreign land and just was wasting his life, wasting time. Crisis hit him. And he woke up one day and he came to his senses. And he said, I will arise and go back to my father. Seniors, I I think I'm... Speaking to some of you. I think God's speaking to some of you. Some of you may have just kind of set in for a long cruise ahead. And God wants to do a fresh work in you. You can have a fresh encounter with God. New challenges. New things to accomplish for His purposes. He's not done with you. Don't let anybody tell you you're too old. 
time for somebody else. I want us to see today that just like Jacob, we need to revisit those vows that we once made to God. Have you lived those out? If not, what adjustments do you need to make in your life to live those out? Are there habits, are there sins, are there things in your life you need to deal with and put away as the preparation you need to make? I want you to know that when you seek God with all of your heart and obey Him, there is a fresh encounter that awaits. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for these characters in the Bible. Powerful lessons. These were real men and women just like us with the struggles of everyday life. The struggles of family. Times of disobedience in their life. We look at some of the things that they did and we we just shake our heads and say, wow. Seems like some sin more prolifically than others. We're all equally in the state of sin, but some sin more prolifically. We read some of these stories and, Lord, we see sin at work and the devastation that it brought, but we see the blessing that repentance and renewal brought when the saints came back to you. And you worked in these men and women's lives and to the day they died, They became great witnesses for you. Lord, may that be true of our seniors. May it be true of all of us. I pray for that senior right now who knows in his or her heart of hearts. They need to come back to those earlier commitments and have a fresh encounter. Lord, help them to rearrange whatever they need to in their life. To wrestle with you. To get all the way back to where you want them to be. So that they can experience that. And Lord we see in the Bible that when that happens to us. We impact those around us in our family. We impact them for your glory. Again Lord do that in us. We pray in Jesus name. Amen.